the CU 2.0 podcast. Welcome to the CU 2.0 podcast with your host, Robert McGarvey. Hot stuff for you this week. This week we're going to talk about what you can do to better pursue the Hispanic marketplace. It's a huge market. One in six of us is Hispanic. For the most part, Hispanics are underserved by traditional financial providers. Credit unions have a great opportunity if they know how to pursue it. That's where our guest this week comes in, Victor Coro of Copera, consulting firm that helps credit unions figure out the best ways to pursue more Hispanic members in their field of membership. He'll tell us a bunch of things we probably don't know. For instance, that many Hispanics perceive themselves as digital natives. They think digital first. They're smartphone-centric. To them, banking is something they want to do on their smartphone. They don't necessarily want to use branches. Think about that. Did you know that going into this? I didn't. You'll probably also find out that Hispanics are not monolithic. Big differences between Hispanics from, say, Venezuela and from Mexico. From Mexico and Puerto Rico. Big differences. Carl is going to tell us about all this stuff in a pretty fast-moving podcast. You'll get a lot out of it. Let's start with the beginning question, which is what do credit union executives most not understand about Hispanic consumers? Well, one of the things that uh, I would say is that uh, Hispanic consumers do not behave in the same manner because they come from slight plus countries in Latin America. So it's important to do a segmentation study or at least get to know who uh, from the Hispanic community is within your field of membership. It's not to uh, cater or market or serve or have an outreach to folks from Ecuador than to uh, folks from Colombia or uh, Mexico. You know, they obviously they speak Spanish, that's a common thing, or they can be bilingual or they can be just how they come from different backgrounds that have different history and culture and a different worldview. So that's one of the things that uh, knowing that the Hispanic, there's several segments within the Hispanic market, it's, it's paramount uh, for Koreans and executives. Uh, yeah, it gets, it gets pretty nitty gritty. Hispanics, it, it makes as much sense to lump them all together as it does to say all Europeans are the same. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Hispanic market, uh, what, what has in common really is the language. And even though within the language, there's no one. You know, you could, uh, a word in Spanish can mean one thing in Colombia, another one in Mexico. It could be, you know, completely offensive in one country, where it's completely normal in another. So it's, again, segmentation is really now, in, in your article in CU Insight, you said most credit unions seem to think that they can serve Hispanics through branches, and only through branches. Why would you think that? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Not you, but why would they well, think that? There may be misconceptions out there regarding the the the, uh, the segment, uh, thinking that it's just uh, not a digital savvy consumer. And actually, uh, this is a very young demographic as compared to the general public. And so they're uh, digital native or Latino digital, as we uh, mentioned in that CU Insights uh, article. And well, 
circumstances is just a misconception. It's, it's really interesting when we even find out that, you know, for example, a first generation, um, let's say Hispanic came from, let's, let's just say Mexico, the only way they have to communicate back home is through their cell phone, uh, you know, using Skype or, or whatever uh, platform they use, but they always uh, carry a smartphone with them. And that conditions that consumer to really procure uh, products and services and have a link to the world through uh, the cell phone. And as they are conditioned to use that cell phone, they expect uh, a number of financial services through that platform, through, through the cell phone and uh, you know online services as well. So it, it's really interesting to to know that. Well, does that also mean that online banking, historic computer-based banking, doesn't reach that market very well? And I, I know in some African-American communities in the U.S., for instance, very few have home computers, but they all have they all have mm -hmm. cell phones. Uh, exactly. Uh, is that is that equally true for Hispanics? Uh, in, in general terms, yes. Uh, we again, we see the cell phone penetration in Hispanic upwards of 80 percent, and so there again, that's the channel that they use and prefer. Uh, one nuance about the cell phones too is that sometimes credit unions or banks or financial institutions do not have their online banking translated language. You know, many of them prefer Spanish. Looking just some time to really figure out what they're doing. You know, you can you can do your transaction on your own time, and um, you know, it, it it doesn't take too long to know that you know what withdrawal means or deposit means, and you can do that uh, through through the cell phone at your own time. Very different from a personal in branch. Um, Transaction when you are a tribal person, and if you cannot communicate with them because of English, uh, because of the language difference, you know that's a very uncomfortable uh, experience for both the member and the union representative. So again, uh, they they would default a lot to to the cell phone, and we've seen that it's actually over-index when it comes to uh, interacting with financials through their uh, mobile. Now, do some parts of the country, I assume some parts of the country, get Hispanic consumers better than other parts do? Am I right? It's, it's, it depends. You know, some Koreans are very conscious of who they have around their branches and, and their field memberships, and regardless of where they are in the country. We have many, many credit unions uh, in the Midwest, you know, in, in Iowa, uh, for example, that they reach the Hispanic market in Oregon. In, in Washington State, you know, uh, and obviously in California and what you would think of as a gateway state, California, Texas, Florida. Uh, but it's, it's all over the country, really, and sometimes it's really just realize how the demographic uh, makeup of their community is rapidly changing, and that's when they launch a Hispanic outreach uh, well, how, how does a credit union outreach to Hispanics? How could it? Well, it, well the most, uh, Compera has developed uh, 
get methodology that um, gets, first of all, to uh, encourage the credit unions to really know who their uh, Hispanic market is. You know, within that Hispanic market, how many members they are already serving, how many they have in their field of membership, you know, do they prefer English, do they prefer Spanish, you know, what kind of services they actually need from that credit union. Are they from first, second, or third generation? Uh, you know, all of this nuance is what Opera says at first that creators should know. Then internally, uh, it's, it's a cultural a shift for credit unions. They need to understand that serving the Hispanic market is actually intrinsic or, or important for uh, its sustainability over the long run. Uh, again, I, I go back to the graph. The country is already uh, 18, 20 percent Hispanic. In 2050, um, the projection is that one out of three consumers will be of Hispanic descent in the United States. Hispanics are already the largest minority in the country and the one uh, demographic that grows the fastest. So, prisoners do really need to pay attention and have, uh, you know, a, a comprehensive strategy to reach this market that has a, a little different nuance than, uh, quote unquote, the general population. So, again, there's got to be that buy in internally. Uh, there's got to be the believe that there is a return on that investment and look at the outreach for Hispanics as a growth strategy for the credit union. And in the end, uh, look into the products, the personnel, the processes, and the promotion to uh, reach out to the Hispanic market. Now, once uh, the credit union really wants to do this, uh, take this comprehensive approach, they really have to do a, a, a good planning session that will consider outreach and service to the Hispanic community. But how uh, does this uh, strategy also uh, align with the overall growth strategy uh, for the credit? So it's, it's you know, it sounds complicated, but it's not. In the end, the Hispanic uh, community needs the same products and services that the credit is already offering. It's just tweaking them a little bit so it's uh, they're relevant in language and they're tailored to the field of the Hispanics within that membership, uh, within that field of membership at the Now, does it go beyond just language? This is a simple translation question. And I ask because where I live in Phoenix, most of the young Hispanics I meet, certainly not all, but the vast majority are bilingual fluent. They speak good English, good, good Spanish. Mm -hmm. They're probably just as happy to bank in, in English. I, I doubt they care. Yep. Uh, but their right. mindset, nonetheless, might be different from a 20-year-old from a different background. Right. It's, it's very interesting because Hispanics basically live in two worlds here in the United States. Uh, you know, they understand and have uh, you know, very cultural and, and emotional ties to their country of origin. Either it could be their parents' country of origin if they were born here already, or you know, their first generation. That's that's what they remember. So they navigate and they they keep those ties, uh, cultural, religious uh, ties. Um, to, to that country of origin. However, they come to the United States and then they learn how to live in America. Uh, and so, you know, there's that. Uh, that uh, you have to uh, the Latin American where you came from, 
from Wisconsin and you know live here with all the traditions and all that means to, to live in Wisconsin. And I understand and navigate those two worlds. And that's uh, you know, the vast majority of, of Hispanics can uh, relate to, to that fact. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting uh, uh, the way that the consumer behaves and understands the world. Uh-huh. But yet again, you know, um, I love yeah, in the country and am I and came here at the age of nineteen and I went to the University of Wisconsin not knowing uh, English language. So I had to learn English first and really, you know, get to know what the, the United States was like. Uh, you know, and that included uh things like okay oh, my account and how do I do how do I keep my money safe. So my first credit union actually was Royal Credit Union of Clare, Wisconsin, and they really helped me get to know the American credit system, and not the credit system itself, but how finances work and how important was insurance. So, you know, credit do have a, a, a role to play in helping people get uh, into the mainstream of, of the country. So that, that personal uh, insight, uh, I, I will never forget how great they treated me and while I was learning English at that point, I, I also learned how to uh, procure financial services in, in the U.S. No, if, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. If you go back in the history of credit unions in America, say 50 or more like 75 years ago, there were many ethnic credit unions, a Ukrainian credit union, for instance, or a Polish credit union. Mm-hmm. The primary language of business was Ukrainian. I'm not saying they didn't speak English, but the yes. primary language of the business was Ukrainian. Are there credit unions in America that primarily operate in Spanish? There, there are a few, uh, and a couple of examples come to mind. One of them is Latina Trade Union, and that's in North Carolina, uh, Durham. Uh, I know that Guadalupe Trade Union in New Mexico also has uh, you know, a lot of their services in terms of Spanish. Well, those are just two examples, but a lot of credit unions actually hire bilingual uh, staff. That's one of the... the that we have to pay that uh, compare. And we, uh, we say, you know, once you have somebody that speaks the language, uh, that knows your background and is from your community, you know, these folks really play a star role within the credit union to serve the Hispanic uh, community. And again, you know, uh, you said some Hispanics may prefer English, some
seeing that as well uh, here in Wisconsin too. We see a lot of Puerto Ricans coming. So again, it's interesting to study uh, how communities and zip codes and counties are, you know, changing in terms of demographics and even language preference. It's not just the, the Southwest. I mean, you mentioned Florida. Before I lived in Phoenix, I lived in Hudson County, New Jersey, right across the river from New York City. The largest ethnic group is Hispanics. It's number one. Number number two yep. is uh, non-Hispanic white. And uh, right. but Hispanics are a slightly bigger group in Hudson County. That's Jersey City primarily. And uh, um, and the Hispanics are all over the map. It's it's Puerto Ricans. It's people from Bolivia. It's it's anything you can imagine. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a giant. It's a giant market that's sitting there that I really don't think a lot of credit unions fully understand that you have to approach it a bit differently than you than you do the the non-Hispanic white population. Yeah, and, and sometimes that's the first. Uh, it's a little bit of um, you know. Uh, Termination from on the part of the credit union. So how do we get uh, started? How do we understand this? You know, we have so many other challenges going on. You know, and it's important not to overlook because in the end, these are the members of, of the future that you will have. Uh, you, you really need to know how your population is going to grow, what the makeup of that population around your branches will be, and in the end, you know, these members just need the same products and services that you already have with to serve on their boards? That's uh, one, uh, one of the considerations uh, that we work with many Caribbeans in Compera to make sure that the board is representative of the field of membership. And, you know, we, we work with Caribbeans to ensure that they try and attract uh, Hispanic board members. And, and so they could voice their opinions as to what are the needs of that community. So at least uh, from our client standpoint, yes, they, they do a good job uh, in, you know, attracting and trying to, to bring uh, more diverse uh, voices, not only on the board, but also on the uh, staff, uh, from, from the staffing standpoint. Make an inventory of you know uh, the Spanish skills that you have internally. Um, how many Hispanic um, uh, employees or, or staff you have in the 
concept uh, and culture of a credit union. So all of those elements, uh, we work with credit unions to make sure that they do consider them and they, uh, you know, they're proactive in attracting board members and staff from that community. Uh, obviously, when you interact with somebody that looks like you, that talks like you, that understands you, it's, it's a much better uh, experience. And you know, largely, many Koreans have Hispanic members, and you know, sometimes it, it's easier to serve them when they can relate to the staff and the board. Have you worked with uh, credit unions with a community development charter? Yeah, most. Uh, not most of them, but many of the, our client credits are actually community development uh, charter. They're open to the community and uh, they're they interested in, in serving the folks around their branches. One of the, another thing I, before I forget is that the Hispanic market is so untapped that say in a community we have five credits, there is room for all of them to serve the Hispanic community. Because uh, usually when we study the, the field of membership, we see credit unions uh, serving, you know, 10% of that static uh, market. So there's 90% there that is uh, not served well by credit unions or financial institutions. So they can go on and, you know, uh, create uh, a niche for themselves. No matter how many producers are in that community, we see that the the Hispanics are so underserved financially that creators have a role to play or have a way to reach to them without competing with each other or overlapping too much. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I've been thinking about it a lot recently that I heard it from somebody else. It's not my my idea, but that a mm -hmm. lot of credit unions are beating their head against the wall, competing with Chase and Bank of America for the same customers. Uh -huh. Why not go after people that the big banks don't want as customers? It's an interesting idea. Right. And these are good people. They have money in their pocket and they need banking services. They're overpaying by buying money orders right. to pay bills, things like that. Uh -huh. It's You're doing them a favor and you're possibly doing yourself a favor. Uh, the, the institution. Oh yeah, it's, exactly. That you know the organic growth in terms of membership of a Christian usually automatically should come from 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 Hispanics. They're so underserved. They're young, uh, and their values, cultural values, really align with the philosophy of Christian. So it's just uh, you know a way that both uh, need each other. Hispanics need Christians, and Christians need Hispanics. So, you know, once Koreans realize that, they, uh, they usually put their uh, plans uh, in, in motion to have a comprehensive strategy to serve them. Once the community uh, finds out that Koreans are a good alternative for financial services, they come. Uh, and what really works uh, within the, the Hispanic community is word of mouth. And it's a very uh, loyal customer, loyal member uh, for the credit unions. So it's, it's a win-win for both. Well, Hispanics in many, they could help to support credit unions too if they chose to. If someone said, come on, come on down, yes. we want you. Uh, so. <laughs> it, it's interesting. We see uh, many Hispanic households where you see more, uh, sometimes two or three generations living together. Uh, 
you know, the grandparents, the parents, and the kids live in the, under the same household. And full reunion is it's an advantage because let's say one of those parents goes to a credit union, finds great service, they become a member, then very likely their kids and the and their parents will become members as well. So it's it's uh, you know it's it's a way to really gain momentum in terms of, of uh, membership drives, member members coming into it, into the credit union. Because again, uh, the household makeup is a little bit different and could be multi-generational. Now when a credit union brings you in, what person in the credit union usually is the driving force? Is it the CEO, the top marketer, the, the, the board, or what instant, what part of the credit union? It, it, it really depends uh, in what part of the approach we're talking about. But once the credit union knows that the opportunity is there, sees it as a business, uh, there's business case for it, and knows that philosophically they need to be aligned by serving this underserved market, then the communication should come or usually comes from the top, from the board and from the CEO, you know, telling everyone this is important for us, this is um, in our DNA to serve uh, underserved uh, communities and allow services to, to, to be given to them and you know we're going to do this um, and after that you know pretty much every aspect of the credit union for every department gets involved because you need IT uh, folks to you know work on processes, uh, marketing folks to work on products and, and uh, services and communications. You need HR to tackle uh, higher level staff and understand you know uh, where the place is at or you know is there a pay differential for for different uh, for using different uh, skills. So it's it's a combination of things, but usually when the mandate comes uh, from the top, from the CEO, the C-suit, and the board saying this is something that is important for our survival, then you know people get aligned behind that strategy. Now for a good word from our sponsor. You wish you could profitably make low-cost payday loans to help out members in need. Stop wishing. Start acting. Check out QCash, an automated payday loan provider created by credit union people for credit union members. It's out of Washington State Employees Credit Union. Good stuff. Check it out. QCash, www.q-cash.com. Your members just may thank you. What are credit unions for? Helping good people out of jams. QCash just may be your solution. That's www.q-cash.com. Before we go, the CU 2.0 podcast is looking for a few good sponsors to help us spread the word about the digital transformation of credit unions. You could be one of them. Contact Robert McGarvey for details at rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. First come, first served. Again, that's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. The CU 2.0 podcast.